We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I am Jason Pett. Ricky O'Donnell, my co-host, is actually not here today. I will be joined by Will Gottlieb, uh, great bull, friend of the pod, great Bulls writer. He's got a Patreon. He also works for Locker Room. And speaking of Locker Room, our next Cash Considerations pod, we are planning to do a live pod after the second Knicks game this week. Uh, I believe that is on Wednesday. So we'll be going live like we did after the opener against the Hawks. Hopefully it'll be a better, we'll have a better conversation than after that disaster. But yes, before I bring Will on, just to start to recap here, the Bulls are now a quarter of the way through the season. Uh, They are 7 and 11. So that's a 28 win pace. I think considering the schedule for the start of the season, uh, that's probably about, uh, maybe a little better than what people were expecting. And Obviously, with the season's been kind of crazy with missing guys, and we've had some postponements and all the the COVID stuff. But the Bulls again, seven and eleven. They dropped to seven and eleven. It looked like they should have been eight and ten after uh, Saturday night's game against the Portland Trailblazers. Looked like they it was kind of a crazy game. It looked like they it was like a multiple games in one. The Bulls started pretty good, and then they got smoked for a while. They went down nineteen early in the third quarter, and then like they did earlier in the season, they came back all the way back. They took a lead in the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter kind of went back and forth, and then. Looked like they were going to win. They were up five in the last last minute, and then Damian Lillard just broke the Bulls' hearts with two just total bomb three pointers. And of course, he hit the buzzer beater after a controversial jump ball. Zach Levine got tied up. Uh, the last two minute report actually said that there was that the call was correct. I know Zach and Billy Donovan were both kind of complaining afterwards. And when you looked at the replay, it looked like they it might have been a quick whistle. It looked like there might have been some contact, but he got double teamed in the corner. The refs called the jump ball and off the jump ball. Uh, he lost it, and the Blazers got it, and Damian Lillard hit a back-breaking three-pointer over Lowry Markin to stun the Bulls, blowing a late five-point lead to drop them to 7-11 on the season again. I mean, they've had a couple of kind of crazy finishes like that where a few things go different. Maybe they have a few more wins. Obviously, there was that Warriors game earlier in the season. They had the Thunder collapse. They had a couple close games against the Lakers and Clippers, but... 
again, whatever, they're 7-11 the quarter of the way through the season. We've seen some good. We've seen some bad. I think this Blazers game, kind of saw, we kind of saw like both the good and bad of the Bulls. We saw the starting lineup suck again. The starting lineup, basically no matter who's been with the starters, like it has been terrible. The Daniel Gafford starting experiment has been brutal. But then again, we saw with when you got Thad Young out there, when you got Garrett Temple out there, uh, the, when you're playing with guys like Zach and Lowry, uh, the Bulls made their huge comeback. We Zach had another efficient game, 26 points, like 9 of 12 shooting. He's he's close to a 50-40-90 this season, quarter of the way through the year on super high efficiency. He's been great. Lowry, we'll talk uh, we'll talk about more of these guys obviously individually later, but Lowry had 31. Again, he didn't do much else besides the 31 points. He did have a few nice de- defensive stands against Damelo in the fourth quarter, but an, an efficient 31 points. He's been super efficient all year. But again, like the, the starter bench thing has been a, a theme all season where the starters stink, and then you get Thad Young and Garrett Temple in there. Everything goes, uh, everything gets better. Thad Young nearly had another triple double. He's come close the last couple games. He had 11 assists this game. The, the point forward, point center Thad Young thing has been crazy. Uh, Again, 11 assists against the Blazers. He's been just in the middle of the Bulls, planting him in the middle of the floor, and he's been finding shooters, finding cutters all over the court, and he's been fantastic. So, like I said, this Bulls-Blazers game was kind of just like a microcosm of the season, the some of the good and the bad all season. So now I'll welcome Will in. Will, thank you for uh, coming back on the pod and joining me, uh, helping, especially helping me out here with Ricky gone for today. Yeah, happy to be here. It's been a little while. It absolutely has. Uh, so I guess we'll start quickly. We'll start with this Blazers game. Um, again, like I said, it was a crazy game, kind of a microcosm of the bull, good and bad of the Bulls. Just what did you take away from the game last night? And then after that, we'll go. We'll start talking about some bigger picture stuff. Yeah, I like what you said in terms of it being a microcosm. Um, I just like rewatched the game because I didn't have a chance to watch it live, and the last like quarter was just insane. I mean, Zach making. Yeah ridiculous threes day making even more ridiculous threes than that um so just yeah like incredible shot making like i was looking at the the box score and obviously that comes with some uh grains of salt but i mean you shoot 50 47 100 in a game like you expect to win that one yes and so you know what you're saying about a microcosm like the defense has been really really bad um if you're shooting that well and scoring 122 points like you should win they're 27th in defense this year um, I think a lot of that has to do with, as you're saying, the starting lineup just being really horrendous on that end. Um, when you have Zach, Kobe, and Lowry together with Wendell missing a lot of games, it's not going to look good. It's the bench playing really well, the starters playing really poorly. I mean, the same kind of major topics that everybody has been bringing up all year. Um, you, you saw a little bit of that, and you saw a little bit of everything in that Blazers game. Yeah, and again, this is also a Blazers team. I didn't even mention this. Without CJ McCollum, without Nurkic, uh, Zach Collins has been out for a while now. I mean, they, so they were missing. I think Derek Jones Jr. was out as well. I believe as well. So like they were missing a bunch of key guys. They were starting like Nasir Little. Cantor went off. He had twenty two and eleven, and it was a plus seventeen. Gary Trent Jr. also started. It was big. Uh, their their bench was terrible. Like Mello was atrocious. And, like the Bulls bench again, not surprisingly dominated. But yeah, just kind of all that. So the Bulls give up one twenty three and lose. I know some of that is just Dame hitting crazy shots, but yeah, the defense has been a struggle all year. And you look at uh, as a quarter through the season, the Bulls are 20, 20 I think you mentioned twenty seventh in defense. They're right in the middle of the pack offensively. Uh, they are 14th in offense. Looking at NBA.com, cleaning the glass might be a little different. I should probably pull that up too. But just in general, the Bulls have basically been 
a decent offensive team this year. Uh, the turnovers have hurt them. The turnovers hurt them again yesterday. They had 15, which is a little lower than usual, but 26 Blazers points. So again, the turnovers and points off turnovers have also hurt, and that's kind of hurt their offensive rating because like when they're when they actually do get shots, like they've been incredibly efficient this season. They're fourth in true shooting percentage. It's at over 59. So like, and you just like look at some of them again. Like Low- Zach and Lowry are both having incredibly incredibly efficient seasons so far. Uh, Zach's at 51% shooting and almost 42% from three and at 88% from the line. That's again, that's almost 50, 40, 90 on like 30% usage. Lowry's at a, like a 65 true shooting percentage. He's at 40% from three. That's like a eight, nine percent percentage point jump on his career number. So like both these guys, incredibly efficient. I'm a lot of these other guys, like Otto Porter shooting over 40% from three. I know Temple's kind of come back down, but he's been shooting pretty well. I mean, we've talked about Thad as shooting like over 50%, 56% overall. So like when the Bulls like run their offense and like they and they actually get shots and are turning it over, they've been incredibly efficient this year. So that 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 at least has been one nice takeaway from the start of the season so far. But like you mentioned, the defense has been a train wreck. So I guess if we're like just looking past this game, like what what is your general thought of this Bulls team a quarter of the way through the season? Have they met met your expectations? Are they kind of where you expected they are? Do you think they? I, I know we've talked a lot about how you weren't very high on this Bulls core, on this Bulls team, and the kind of the future right now. So I guess it's seven and eleven with like some nice flashes, with some guys like really having nice seasons. Uh, just yeah, where have they met your? Where are they in terms of your expectations? Yeah, I mean, I think they've definitely exceeded my expectations. Like, the fact that the offense is even in the top half of the league after last year um, is just, like, a huge accomplishment. Um, we, I think we all kind of knew the defense was going to drop off just because of yeah. the, um, you know, deflections and, and steals and runouts and things like that. But, like, just being able to watch a competent half-court offense has been, like, so much more enjoyable. You kind of forget what that's like after a year <laughs> and a half of Jim Boylan. <laughs> um, but, so let, let me ask you this, like, you know, obviously we're talking about how well the veterans have been playing Thad, um, Temple specifically, but I think Sato has been kind of under the radar good. Otto Porter has been playing pretty well. Um, But we're still seeing these like all young guys starting units and all veteran bench units. Like, do you think they should mix those up a little bit? Because I think like that's hurting, like in terms of trade value, in terms of like on off numbers, like Zach obviously looks great, but the team is like doing so much better when he's off the floor because of how well the bets are playing. Um, And same with Kobe. It's same with Lowry. I think Lowry's probably benefited a little from that. Um, I have this up in one of my tabs here. I've got a million up. His, his, um, his on off splits are, I think are pretty brutal. I think he's like, minus 10. No, you're right. They're all pretty bad. Um, Minus (laughs) 11.9 on plenty of the glass, but Zach's minus 11.7. Kobe's minus 16. Like these guys are just playing terribly. And I wonder if like, if that's intentional, like, are they just kind of like trying to let them put up numbers and then let the bench guys like bring them back into games? Um, do you think they should maybe like mix and match a little bit more to try to like play a little bit more? Like maybe the bench isn't like totally dominating second units and the starters aren't totally like digging themselves into a hole and kind of like balancing that out. Um, because like we can talk about exceeding expectations, thing like that, but I'm I'm very curious to know what direction this team is going to go because right. Right yeah. now I think like they're they're hitting the expectations that I think we all would have wanted them to hit over the past couple of years right like obviously they're not going to you know be like a six five six team in the East um, maybe they can creep into that play in game or a seed or whatever um, but like long term what are we doing here um, and it's great to see the veterans play well it's great to have like 
good basketball in, on your TV. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> like I'm, not, I'm definitely not losing sight of that. But like uh, the young guys are still not playing so well. They're putting up numbers, but like not producing. Um, yeah, it's just like, it's, wins, it's, it's like a group. So it's just, it's as, as a group, yeah, as a group, they're bad. So, but like when you have these lineups, so it's like Zach and like last Zach Lowry, and then you throw Temple and like thad with them like then they're good it's just like the young guys as a group which i guess maybe shouldn't be that surprising when if you're like four or five like all like you said the all like young starting lineups like i guess it shouldn't be that surprising that they're bad but but then on the other hand like you would think i mean lowry i mean or like zach's been in the league for a while now you would hope he'd be able to like lift them even if they're super young and like lowry as well so like you do like really still do kind of wonder like even with these big numbers just like how much can they actually like make an impact on winning games? Like it, it is just, it is just kind of a weird spot because it is just such a drastic change from, I mean, every game the starters are getting killed. Like it, it, I was looking at the lineup data and because you obviously had it up as well and the on off numbers and all that. It just, you look at like, I was looking at four man lineup data earlier today and like, like all the, like the mixing match with like the young court. I mean, it's all terrible. Like all double digit negative, like net ratings. One, like that's, right. br- that's brutal. So like, and like, I mean, it would be one thing for, if like, uh, you, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, like, and the ones with Thad and Garrett Temple and Sato are all, like, you know, plus 5, plus 15, yeah. like, just right. plus 20. Like, that is, that is plus 20.4 right now, uh, according to Cleaning Lagasse, like, 97%. I mean, he's playing, like, an all-star. It's just, <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. it's, it's crazy. So, I mean, I, th- so there's, like, good and bad in there, like, like you mentioned. Like, so they can be effective when they, when they have these competent vets with them. I think that that's a good sign, but, like, as a group, then you do have to wonder, like, if, I mean, if you're going to go forward with, if you're, when you're making decisions about going forward with certain members, like, these are the guys you want to be playing big minutes, at least long term going forward. And I mean, so far, like, I mean, there, I think there's just so many questions still about the fit with some of these guys. And Wendell's injury does not, does not help. I mean, Wendell and Lowry one both year where everybody is healthy. This is insane. Right. Yeah. Like one yeah. Season. So, again, yeah. So this is, yeah, Wendell's third year and he's going to have another lengthy absence. So it just, it's so hard to evaluate like his fit with Lowry. I think there, there's still so many questions there. And then obviously there's the Zach, the Zach Go- Kobe questions. With, and then with Patrick Williams kind of mixing there as well. He's kind of, he, I think he's kind of falling back. Like his shooting numbers are still decent, but like it's, I mean, it's just so, so hard to expect impact play out of a rookie like that, especially from this draft class. Like there haven't been too many guys really standing out in that aspect. I think most of us have been pretty happy with Patrick Williams, but in terms of like lifting a super young starting lineup, like that's just not going to happen. And again, we're seeing those issues. So in terms of like changing the lineup, like I do think Gafford's got to go back to being a bench guy. I mean, he, I mean, and Billy's barely even playing him. He's playing like four or five minutes to start halves. He's basically on the Bogans plan right now, but they're getting killed in those minutes. Like I think like, I do understand like wanting to try to like develop these young guys as a group, I guess, but like, I think there's got to be a point where, just start that young. Like I know you like I know I'm sure Billy loves having him off the bench as that stabilizer, but like if you're getting crushed every game to start just, just start him. Like you're he's obviously lifting your team. Like you might as well just play him. And it'd be one thing if it was if Wendell was healthy. I think but I think with Gafford there, like Gafford's a nice role player, but like are you like you might as well just start that over. Get Gafford back into a position where he's more comfortable being the energy guy off the bench. So I think I think that's an easy, easy switch Absolutely. to make. I'm, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm Gafford. Gafford is like, I don't know. I think people got like super excited about him because he can like block a few shots and like get some rebounds and rim yeah. roll and, and get some dunks and stuff. Like that's a very valuable thing to have, but it serves a specific role. And I think you'd hit it on the head, right? Like that's that's a bench kind of energy big man type. And in the, in the way that I think a lot of people think Kobe is like a bench energy scorer kind of guy. Um, so I think like, yeah, if you mix up 
the starting lineups and, and infuse some of those lineups with the veteran guys. I think that helps a lot. Um, but I think it's like interesting to look at it in terms of like things that were question marks before the season. Like what do we now know? What do we still not know? And like, for me, uh, I still have like no idea what to make of Lowry. I think like he's obviously shooting the ball a lot better this year, which is like, finally, like, why were you shooting 34% on threes for your career? Lowry? Like that's your skill. Um, so yeah, at least he's like scoring now, but he's rebounding pretty poorly. Um, I, I actually like that he's playing some backup five minutes. I yep, think that that spaces sure. the floor really well. Um, so that's interesting. I think they have a tough decision to make in terms of like, do they want to try to trade him at the deadline and get something for him? Do they want to risk another one of these teams? Like all these teams were saving up money for Giannis and AD and Kawhi and LeBron and like all those guys resigned. So all these teams have money and they're going to throw them at, they're going to throw it at restricted free agents. So I could see Lowry getting a pretty big offer sheet. Do the Bulls want to keep him and like live with the fact that they're overpaying him or let him walk for nothing? Um, it's just kind of a tricky spot to be in. Um, it, yeah, it definitely is. I mean, you look at his numbers. He's at 19.6 points per game, 6.5 rebounds, and that's not that great. He's shooting almost 51% overall, 40% on the dot from three on over seven three-pointers per game. He's shooting almost 63% on two-pointers, which would be his career high was last year on two-pointers as he was at under 52%. So that's a huge jump in you know, his efficiency inside the arc as well. Uh, the free throw throwing is, thing has come back down. He had kind of had started really nice getting to the line, but that's back down to 3.5. It's still like that efficiency is way up. So there is like, there is a value in Larry Markin as a player right now. But like you said, like with this core, like, does it work with him? Like, do you want to pay Larry? Like you said, some with you need just one team out there. And if there's going to be, if there's going to be teams out there looking to spend money, on what maybe one of these restricted free agents, like, will someone throw a 20 plus million dollar offer sheet at Larry Markin? And if you're the Bulls, like, do you, especially like if they kind of finish, if they, if they kind of stay on this track all year, maybe they get in the plan. If they just miss something like that, like for, for after four years of Larry Markin and this, and this young quarter basically, or at least with, with Zach and with Wendell for a few years, even though they haven't played much together, like, do you commit that kind of money to Larry Markin? And it's like, eh. Yeah, I don't know. Like if, sure. he, if he's just going to be like a scorer who, again, the playmaking non-existent. He's under one assist per game. We know that he, in terms of defense, he doesn't. He's not a playmaker on that end either. I think he's shown some signs of like some competence there. But like again, he had a few like decent plays on Dame yesterday. But like overall, just, we know he's not an impact defender. And like if we do want to play him at the five, like for stretches, I think it's good to stretch the floor and all that and do five out stuff. But like I mean, he's not going to anchor your defense effectively at the five either so like how much can you really like rely on him to do that i don't know so it, it is really just i feel like he, his value is probably on a team where like he's maybe what like your fourth or fifth guy and he's kind of just a role player just bombing threes and and taking advantage of like cl- uh the like closeouts for like from other players but if like the bulls are paying him and expecting him to be one of like their second or third best players like then that's probably an issue so it, it is kind of a weird spot so like and yeah, you also wonder, like, like, what is his trade value at this point? Like, he is, I feel like it's definitely come up a bit, but, like, how much is it? Like, what do you think the Bulls could even get for him at this point? Well, I think it's, like, interesting to look at it from the standpoint of, like, do you, like, if he, if his best role is, like, a fourth or fifth guy who can spot up and hit a lot of threes, um, which, like, he's hitting 40% of his threes this year, which is, like, obviously good, but it's not, like, so high off of what you would expect from him that it's going to come down. So, like... I think this like 34% last year was insane. Like he's probably around a 40% shooter. Um, 
but like, what are you paying that guy? Like what, what value does he bring in terms of like, what kind of contract you want to give him uh, to be like your fourth or fifth guy. And if the bulls are going to have to pay double that to keep him, then yeah, I'm just not sure I want to do that. Um, you know, I think like from what I've heard, like 10 to 15 is kind of like the range, but even then it's like, if he is going to mostly play back up five minutes, um, and like kind of space the floor a little bit. I'm just not sure that's really worth that much money. So do you trade him? If so, like you're probably getting like 50 cents on the dollar for him because he hasn't been that good. And I think that's actually a great reason to play him with Thad and with like Temple and Sato because like you see him in some of these like um, spread pick and roll actions where he he'll like get the ball um, in the short roll and he like it just takes him like three full seconds to decide what to do with it. Like he's just, he can't really play that role. Um, so I think he does like benefit a little bit in terms of on off numbers and in terms of scoring from just playing with those guys. Um, so maybe on a better team, like he does provide more value uh, and it's going to be one of those situations. And I think this is probably true with like Kobe and Zach and, and any player that the bulls might end up trading is that like, they could look a lot better on a better team because the team is better and because their role is more defined. Um, and I just feel like, you know, I was asking the question, like, what do we know? What do we not know yet? Like, I can confidently say I feel very comfortable saying that, like, Kobe and Zach is not working. You know, like, I just, I don't see Kobe in that role. I'm not really sure, like, I don't think Lowry fits into that either. Um, just because what I said at the top, like, the defense is just going to be so bad. Um, Zach has been, like, sensational. And even though I have, like, some problems with, uh, you know, I think his playmaking has gotten a lot better um defense is still not great um but he's just been so prolific scoring the ball that like you kind of just forget about some of that stuff yeah um but kobe has been like really frustrating uh in terms of playmaking and i think that's really you know you guys talk about it all the time like that's that's what they need they need a playmaker whether it's like a big wing or like a chris paul type of like floor general they just like they need somebody to do that and i think then everybody else starts to fall into place a little bit maybe lowry looks better um maybe Kobe looks better coming off the bench or playing next to somebody who can control the tempo of the game a little bit more, but it's like, how do you get that guy? If you're right. drafting <laughs> it's like one of the hardest things to get is like, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they need like a legit, like two way lead ball handler, which we've been talking about forever. Like that's, that's basically like a star level, like wing guard player. And that's, that's hard, they hard to find Jimmy <laughs> Butler. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Jimmy, would be, Jimmy came back. He missed, he like lost like 10 pounds. He missed three weeks with COVID came back and put up like 38 and seven yesterday. It's like, I know. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, this is stuff we've talked about it like ad nauseum at this point too, but yeah, I mean, Kobe, like Kobe had like a nice shooting game yesterday, but it's still like, again, like I know single game plus minus not the best, but like the bulls are outscored by 17 points in his minutes, even with him shooting well and like having like a decent statistical game. And like, and before that, the last couple games before that, I mean, he was brutal against the Lakers and Celtics, just totally, totally outclassed against a couple of contending teams by them. And and it it can be sometimes when he loses confidence and he's just kind of dribbling around, like not knowing what he's doing, it is really hard to watch. And like, and he's so young. And I think you mentioned this in like, in our, our, the group chat, the the Bulls group chat that we had, like, it it is so like, like, you don't want to like bail on a guy like this. And even Lowry kind of fits into this sometimes too, even though he's been in the league now for three plus years. But like Kobe is like, he came in the league kind of as a raw point guard. Like he's still what over 20, 21 years old. Like we know he, we knew it was going to be a a growing process and there'd be growing pains. But like 
it can just be so tough to watch him play point guard sometimes, especially against good play- teams that play good defense. It just like the Lakers game, he was totally lost. The Celtics game was kind of more of the same. Like I said, he was better against the Blazers, but I mean, the Blazers are a terrible defensive team uh, and he was still, the Bulls were still outscored by a ton with him on the court. So it's like, like how much do you like, how much leash should he get? I know uh, at bloggable, uh, your friendly Bulls blogger wrote about kind of wrote about the Kobe situation. Like should, should they think about benching? I mean, this kind of goes to your question about like, should they uh, changing the lineup? Like, should they like pull back with Kobe? Should they like start Sato or something like that? And I ultimately think they should just kind of let Kobe ride. Like, and if he's and let him go through these growing pains, because like we saw the Sato thing last year and it just wasn't very good. Maybe it would be better with this better offense in general and the better coaching and all that kind of stuff. But like, I'm kind of fine riding through Kobe with these issues, but it has definitely been very painful, especially against some of these good teams lately. Yeah. I kind of have like Colin Sexton glasses on right now where it's like, he did not look good the first couple of years. And yeah. then all of a sudden he's like averaging 25 and five and five. And looks like he's actually like taking that Cavs team into like possible playoff. I mean, they're, right. they're in the playoffs right now. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, I kind of feel similar with Kobe, but I'm also like really, like you said, frustrated watching him because, um, you know, I think he just like, is kind of like running around. Like he just has no idea what he's doing out there. And it's just cause he hasn't had a chance to learn the game yet. Um, and that like is understandable for a guy who's 20 years old right. and in the second, yeah. second year. So um, it's frustrating. I think like the bulls kind of have to figure out what timeline they're on. That will answer a lot of their questions. Um, but especially like in contrast to Dame, like you watch the way that he like controls the tempo of the game, um, is like directing traffic. Like just the pacing that he plays with is like so unbelievable, like so poised. And when Kobe starts missing shots, he just like kind of freaks out a little bit. And again, that's that's justifiable given how young he is and, and how inexperienced he is. But um, you just can't really have that as a team who's like trying to be good. You just can't have your point guard play like that. Right, yeah. I mean, if, and if you look at the numbers, like, I'm just looking at Kobe's numbers right now. I mean, he's at 15.5 points per game, 5.7 assists, 4.8 rebounds. Like The assist numbers have jumped up. He has had moments where like he's, he makes some nice plays and all that. He's shooting just under 41%, 36.5% from three. So like, that's... Not bad. Like his true shooting is at fifty three percent, which is below league average. So like it's obviously not good. It's not horrible, but like I guess if you looked at some of the advanced numbers, then like his like his BPM is terrible. Win shares like per forty eight terrible. I'm sure if you look at some of the other advanced numbers out there, really ugly. I think I, I can't remember. I think it was the NBA math like account that tweets out some of that stuff. Like for second year players, oh, yeah. like Kobe is like in the bottom left quadrant, like all by himself in the very bad area. So like. Like Kobe's definitely a guy who can like I think when he gets hot like you can really just kind of forget about some of the flaws that he has and it's like oh Kobe's on a heater like he's super fun but then you look at it you look at some of the the underlying data and it's just it's just not pretty and again we do have to have patience I think with Kobe but especially when you just when you again when you look zoom out and like you look at this big picture wise at this young core with like with Zach and Kobe like so much I think there's just a lot of skill overlap with some of these guys yeah and you just don't know if the fits are the best so like you'd really do wonder like I I, I don't know I'm not totally sure I guess we can use this transition then into Zach we obviously have talked about him a bit here but obviously there's been a lot of talk about should the Bulls trade Zach should the Bulls pay Zach like should they should they build with him he's not a guy you're gonna build around I mean he's not he's not he's not as good as Jimmy was when the Bulls traded Jimmy in 2017 he's never gonna be like a legit two-way guy but he is one of the best scorers in the NBA now. I mean, he's at 27 a game on like 65 true shooting, 
that, that, that's I think he's like top four, top five in true shooting for like high volume players. That's incredibly valuable. Guys like that get paid. And if you look at some of his other contemporaries, if you look at young shooting guards, Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray, Devin Booker, I mean, those guys all got max contracts. So you're looking at Zach Levine probably getting either a max or a near max deal when he hits, if he hits free agency in 2022, looking at 30 to 35 million per year. Um, I, I know there was, there's been a, some stuff out there. I wrote about this at Forbes as well, but I know Eric Pincus at Bleach Report. I based my Forbes thing off him, like talking about should the Bulls use cap space because the Bulls could have a decent amount of cap space this summer. Since there won't be any like huge names that they could probably sign, like do they use some of that cap space to renegotiate and extend Zach's contract and get him on basically a max deal at that point at 30 to 35 million? I can't remember the, the exact number it would be, but do they just kind of lock him up and then kind of see where you go from there? Uh, so I, wh- where do you stand with Zach Levine and his future with the Bulls right now? Like, I mean, do you, I, I think, I guess I'll bring up that you, the Bulls should look to trade him. If the, if somebody's willing to give him a lot, sure. Why not look, look at that. But like, I've kind of come around on paying Zach and just kind of going from there. Like after, after trading Jimmy for, I think what at the time was a terrible package, even if Zach was part of it, like at the time for what, Jim, how good Jimmy was, it's a, it was a terrible package. So like, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of worried about just like dumping Zach and then just ending up in another situation where it's kind of shitty you get for the next few years. I know they haven't been good with Zach, but like, I still feel like they could be in a spot where maybe they can build with Zach. I'm not totally sure. So where are you on the Zach Levine situation? Yeah, it's, it's still hard for me to bring up the Jimmy trade, man. I, I still get <laughs> very frustrated about that. Um, but so I tweeted this out last week and I'm not sure if it's still true, but he's at that time he was averaging 27 points per game on 64% true shooting. The players who have done that before for an entire season are Steph did it twice. Durant, LeBron, Giannis, Charles, and Adrian Danley, who, who did it twice. So it's like, I mean, he's scoring in like all time elite company, right? Like he, he is that good uh, scoring yeah. the ball. And obviously he's not like transcendent in the way that those guys are, but um, he's playing like an all-star for sure. Um, I think what it comes down to is just, can they get the value? Um, does it make sense to trade them in terms of what they could get back? Um, and I, I, trust Karnaschovas to to make that call right now like I think um you know we're, we're all like kind of horrified of the of the idea of trading him because of like you said what we got back for Jimmy um in the same way that you know I think like paying Zach 19 million dollars a year horrified everybody after coming off of an ACL because of what happened to Derek um so I think like there's a chance that First of all, I think the market and, and you and uh, Doug and Ricky were talking about this last week, but like the market for trading for stars has like gone way Exploded. up. Like yeah. Drew, Drew Holiday got like three picks, three swaps. Like that's insane. Um, so if you get something like that for Zach, now I'm not sure who would do that because right. the teams that are contending um, have probably already traded that package to get their second star or um, are drafting so low that it's like, do you really want to trade Zach for like four 28th picks? Probably not. Um, so, yeah, if the value's there, I think I would do it for sure. Um, but, I mean, it's probably unlikely that that value is there. So, uh, I think, like, even if you do end up signing him on a max deal, like, that's a tradable contract. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I would feel fine with that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think the bigger question is, like, what do you do after that? Like, right. do you just, like, let Thad and Otto and Sato and Temple, like, ride it out? Um, like you still need to add somebody if you want to get out of the like 10 area. Um, so like right now the like frustrated stars Beal, like, does he get traded? Um, I mean, we, we talked about this before, like, is it possible you could do like a Lowry Kobe 
two first, two swaps for Beal? Like, would you do that and get Zach and Beal together with Otto and Thad and, and Sato um, and Patrick and Wendell? Like, I think I would probably do that. Um, a little scary to, to like mortgage your future in that way. But like, now you have two very, very good players um, and it's always easier to add a third. I think you guys kind of convinced me that that could be a good option, but I don't know. Somebody's probably going to offer more for Beal. So maybe that's <laughs> not on the table, but my point is like, I think they, they should look into it. You might as well. Yeah, like, I, I, exactly. First of all, I mean, going going to just to the Beal conversation, like there was uh, some people have been talking, and I think was it was it the Windhorse Pod like last week they were talking about like oh, including yeah. like Zach and like multiple firsts and Lowry for Beal. Like, that's like you're treading water. Like Beal is obviously very good, but like you're a poor man's like, Wizards team if yeah. you do that trade. I, like that just doesn't and make any Wizards sense. You're mortgaging the future and trading a guy who's what like ninety percent of Bradley Beal and Zach. Plus Lowry, who I mean, I know we we've talked a lot about Lowry already, but like who at least is showing a little better now. Plus like three firsts, like that's crazy. Like no no chance you're doing that. So like, I mean the Bulls should they might as well. I mean the Bulls need top level talent. You might as well see what you can get. I mean the Bulls and the Bulls have like all their draft assets basically. Uh, I mean and like I said, Kobe and Lowry. I mean decent young guys. I mean I, obviously they haven't been that great, but like couple young players plus a bunch of draft picks like the bulls could at least put a decent offer on the table without including zach that could be interesting at least like they might as well call him up and see what happens like i know if you, if you make that trade like zach and beal like that's not not the best defensive backcourt still it's a uh, weird not really a true point guard there but like if you think zach and beal at least can be like combined can make maybe be that that would at least take pressure off Zach being that lead decision maker because Beal can do it as well. He's, he's I think he might be a little underrated as a lead ball handler type. He's not obviously not like an actual point guard, but still, like those guys together could probably make you kind of split those duties and take pressure off each other. And that you can so see you have those other some of the veterans there in place as well. And then maybe like maybe Beal and Zach can rec- maybe recruit somebody else or exactly. maybe make another trade for somebody else or you get you get lucky somewhere. Like you know things can change so fast in the NBA. Where if you have those two star like star level guards there, then maybe you get another, a third like a stud wing or a stud big man somewhere else, and then you really have something cooking there. I mean, you might as well like, you might as well look into it because like you said, like right now, the team is kind of looking. They they look decent, they look okay, but like a lot of it is based on the vets, the core. There's still huge question marks. So like, where are they actually going? I mean, I wouldn't have a problem mortgaging some of the future for a legit. I mean, Beal's what 27. He's basically in his prime as well. And motivated Bradley Beal and Zach Levine could be a ton of fun, and maybe you get and like I said, maybe you get lucky and you get another th- a third star there. I think that'd be it'd be interesting at least. Yeah, I mean, look, like at this point, we've seen the like how. First of all, it's a star-driven league, right? Like you need star, not just one, but you need stars. Yeah, and we've seen firsthand how hard it is to come by those stars. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you at least explore that that possibility. Um, I, I don't know how realistic it is, but like. Maybe there's another star that, like, you know, at the next summer that comes along and wants to be traded in the Bulls. But I just think, like, the point is the Bulls have these tradable assets now that I don't think yeah. they really had last year. And they're in a better position to make a move. Obviously, we all want something to happen here. Um, we're all a little frustrated that it hasn't already happened. Um, but I do think that, like, just by getting these veterans in, like, you boosted the trade value. Like, that. that is something. Um and so now they've got to like figure out what direction they want to go. Like if they trade the vets, we, we know it's going to happen. <laughs> the starting <laughs> lineup is atrocious. Like they're going to, they're going to tank. Um, and maybe you get a first round pick for some of these guys. Cause they're playing out of their minds. Um, I mean, yeah, you look at, I mean, you look at Thad, I mean, Thad could help a ton of teams and the, we've mentioned the Celtics 
uh, are, seem like an obvious candidate. They have the huge trade exception. Thad, great audition for the Celtics the other night, <laughs> nearly yeah. getting a triple-double. Because uh, Otto also fits in that Celtics trade exception. I don't know if they'd want to use that on Otto, but like the Celtics are not, uh, just an obvious candidate there. They could probably use another player or two. They have that massive trade exception. You look there at the Nets. The Nets just, speaking of the Wizards, the Nets just lost to the Wizards 147-146. The Wizards dropped 46 points in the fourth quarter. The Nets have, I know Harden didn't play, but the Nets have serious depth issues, serious front court issues. Uh, maybe you look like you look to trade Thad Young there. I've brought up the Dinwiddie and like second round picks as like a possibility. I don't know if, I don't really know what, how the Nets value Dinwiddie. I feel like he was probably looking to leave in free agency given what they have there in place. So like the Nets are another team you look at that could use help, whether it's, again, whether it's Thad, whether it's, like Sato, like the Bulls could probably get something for these vets. So I would be surprised if the Bulls don't trade at least one of the guys. Like I, don't, I don't necessarily think they have to trade all of them. I think it do, uh, it would be valuable to keep if it's maybe just like you keep Temple around since he's on a cheap one year, five million. Maybe you bring him back next year. Um, yeah, maybe he's the most tradable asset because he's cheap. I mean, maybe I mean you could always bring him back in free agency, I guess, for cheap again. So I would, like I said, I do think they'll probably. I don't know if they'd go all in on like trading all these vets, but I would be surprised at least one of them isn't dealt. And I guess we'll see which, which one that would be. Um, What a geez, what a crazy kid. I like, I haven't really been paying attention to these scores since we've been talking and I knew the nets were up and I thought they were going to kind of cruise the victory. And looks like Russ and Beal just absolutely went off. What a bonkers game. The nets and the nets can't defend for shit uh, with Harden or without Harden. Obviously he's not a strong defender. So it'll be interesting to see what, what they do. We still be looking to add, uh, I know they just added like Iman Shumpert. That's not going to do anything. He's terrible. But shout out to Oak Park. <laughs> yeah, shout out, shout out to Oak Park. Anyways, back to the Bulls. Just kind of figuring out where, just where, the, where they're at. It's it is definitely just an interesting place. A quarter of the way through the season, they've been kind of at, at least they are way more interesting than just being shitty like they have been the last couple of years. Like it is nice to have some competent and fun basketball. Like they, the Bulls are generally fun to watch, even when they commit some boneheaded turnovers and they've lost in a few brutal ways. Like. In general, it's been a much more entertaining product, which has been really nice. Uh, and I guess we'll see how it goes. This upcoming week, they, I mean, they play the Knicks twice. The Magic are a train wreck. I think Aaron Gordon got hurt tonight. Like, Bulls have a chance to win a few games here. Like, what like I said, what, what that actually means, big picture, since they're just kind of meandering around, who knows? But, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm definitely not rooting for this team to tank. Like, if they if they do, if, they, if the season did go off the rails somehow, like, I would be fine with it, whatever you added high draft pick to the, the, we know they need more high end talent, like fine. But uh, I feel like they're, they're kind of, I think they'll kind of just hang around within the spot that they're at right now. We know they're not, we know they're not good, but like, they're not bad. And like, I, I can deal with that. I think that's what most people were just kind of looking for this year. Yeah. It's the difference between losing games by 20 and losing games by Damian Lillard buzzer beaters. And yeah, I mean, know, I guess they did get maybe, blown out by the, by the Lakers and Celtics. I mean, those games are pretty rough. They did get kind of, those are like there. the top teams, you know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's better to compete. Like, yeah, even if even if like they do end up trading guys and the young guys like just tank and show that they're not very good. Like, I think there's value in having at least part of the season where they're learning how to play at a high or yeah. er, higher level. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you that like probably one, maybe two of these vets will go. Um, but it really just comes down to like what which direction do they want to go, and and that will be determined by uh which like trades can they get more value for so i'm super excited for what is it march 25 um the deadline deadline yeah so it's gonna be interesting i mean if if nothing happens there i think we riot 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, we they didn't do much in the in the in off, the off season. They signed Garrett Temple, they drafted Patrick Williams, which I think both have looked pretty pretty good moves. But I think we're definitely expecting some type of movement, even if it's again, even if they don't make a huge move like the trade Zach, trade Lowry, they got to they got to make a move, or maybe they make a move for talent. I don't know, who knows? But I would I would kind of doubt that. But they definitely got to do at least something. There's plenty of directions they could go. Uh, I was going to bring this up when we were talking about Zach trades. I think Bleacher Report wrote about some possible big trades. Do you think the the Warriors would have any interest in trading for Zach this year? Do you think, or do you think they'd even put that Timberwolves pick on the table? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I know that they are very they value that pick super highly. Yeah, and, they should. Um, I think yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, they may not actually even get it next year because the Wolves are right. so bad, and but it would be totally unprotected the following year. Um, I guess it just kind of depends where they are at the deadline uh, and what the deal is. Like Wiggins has been playing a lot better. I don't think they're yes. like super anxious to trade him. It would have to be, I mean, Oubre. he and Ubre make pretty similar yeah. contracts. Um, so yeah, maybe Ubre in the pick and you know, whatever flotsam. Uh, I think the bulls could actually add a lot of value in that trade by giving them fat or Sato. I, I think they have some interest in a guy like Sato for sure. So I can see that, um, but it would totally depend on like, yeah, where, where they are at that time. Um, but they really, really need somebody who can take some scoring pressure off of Steph. Uh, so I think, yeah. and given, given the the value of that pick, like that probably makes the most sense to me in terms of a, a trade partner for Zach of like any other team, because just like a team that's actually going for it, that could also give you a high pick. That's like yeah. a rare trade partner to find for sure. Yeah. The Warriors have been hilarious to watch this year, but they've just been so just all over the map and Steph has been great, but like the rest of that team has just been so, like Draymond shooting like 34%. Like Ubre has been just a train wreck. I don't most know of the what time. happened to Ubre, man. Yeah. He <laughs> just so weird. And Weissman's 19, Weissman's 19 years old. So like he's, I know he was just recently benched, but like, it seems like every night, like either Steph is going nuclear and they like look like legit title contenders. And then other nights they just get their ass handed to them it's they've been so funny to watch and war i follow a lot of warriors people on twitter i know you do too i mean you've done a lot of writing about the warriors and all that kind of stuff being out there and it's just kind of hilarious it's like a meltdown every other night on warriors twitter and it really just it's really funny (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean it's it reminds you what it's like to to think you should be good and be frustrated when you're not you know we're not quite at that level yet but maybe soon (laughs) Yeah, so we'll we'll see we'll see where the Bulls go. Like I said, they got a lot of directions they could go in. We're a quarter of the way through the season, seven and eleven again on the on, on the year so far. And as I mentioned, just mentioned, like the next uh, this week, four very winnable games. The Knicks have been uh, pretty fun. They've been a lot better. Obviously, this will be fun with Tom Thibodeau with the Knicks. So we got two Bulls home games coming up against the Knicks this week, Monday and Wednesday. As I mentioned earlier, we will on Wednesday after the game, we are currently planning on doing a live locker room show. Uh, that should be a lot of fun. As I said, hopefully the result will be better than what it was when we did the last one after that Hawks opener. And then they play the Magic. I think, that's, is that a back-to-back? I need to look up that schedule. I think it might be a back-to-back against the Magic uh, coming up here after they play the two Knicks games, pulling up the schedule right now. Um, yes, it is. Friday, Saturday. That's in Orlando. Oh, the Magic have been ravaged by injuries. They're really struggling. Again, I think Aaron Gordon suffered an injury tonight. I'm not sure how bad it is. I haven't seen that yet. But, if I mean, if he misses time, 
they're already down. I mean, Fultz, don't feel that we know Isaac was isn't with them. Nikola Vucevic is putting up all-star numbers. He's been, like, incredible, 23-11-3. They still do have Evan Forney and Terrence Ross can sometimes go off, but, I mean, they've been kind of ravaged. They do have Cole Anthony as a rookie as well, but they're, they're kind of in – they're one of those teams. I mean, the Knicks and Bull, Knicks and Magic are both teams kind of just fighting with the Bulls in that kind of play-in spot, so – the Bulls can go three and one, four and zero. Oh, this uh, four and zero oh might be a bit asking a, a bit much to ask, but like they can make a little move here against some of these other teams in a similar spot to them, and then, um, and that let's and that's basically that it for the week. I can't. Remember. And that's a good point, though. Like I mean, I remember at the beginning of the season we were talking about what a gauntlet the month of January was going to yeah. be, and to see them actually come out, you know, relatively close to five hundred. Now some of these games are getting a little bit easier. Like they are definitely in a position to kind of make a push here. So, um, yeah, we'll see if they, if they can actually start putting together some wins. And yeah, I mean, and after that, after, yeah, after those games, and then they have the, the Wizards, the Pelicans, like both those teams have obviously struggled a bit this year. They have some talent, but it just hasn't really come together. So the Bulls do have a chance here to make a little move. And like you mentioned the January stuff, like, uh, the Mavs being crappy. That double, the Bulls beat the Mavs twice in January. The Bulls almost beat the Blazers twice. Uh, I feel like those games. That's kind of almost been like the swing uh, with this season. Like if the Bulls would have been four and zero against the the Mavs and Blazers. Like before the year, we would have looked at those games and been like, okay, the Bulls are going one and three, zero and four in those games. Yeah, and they almost won all four of them. And then they also won that that Rockets game was a nice win. Uh, so the Bulls have definitely won. I feel like a few more games. Maybe I think I think look, after looking at the schedule, like the start of the year and where they're at now, seven eleven. I think we kind of figured they'd be maybe. Five and thirteen, or like maybe six and twelve, if that. Like at this point, so I think they do. They and have. They could even be like. I mean, they lost a couple of games on buzzer beaters. Like there's yeah, a right. world in which they're you know yeah. even closer to five hundred. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It could be nine, nine and nine or something like that. So they they definitely are close. They are decent, as we've talked about. They these the vets have really just helped stabilize them so much. Um, it would just be nice to see the young core actually play well together and not just be kind of propped up by the vets in those lineups. Exactly, but exactly. There, there's, yeah, there, there still is a long way to go. We're only in the quarter of the way through the season again, um, and we'll see what happens. Again, they have a nice possible stretch here to win some games, and hopefully like, so the core can show some nice things together and then not just be these bench lineups. We'll see if Billy changes the lineup at all, if he makes any moves with that, uh, and then hopefully no other guys get injured. We got Wendell's going to be out for about a month here. Uh, hopefully the rest of this team can stay healthy and maybe win a few games and, and show some stuff here. So, uh, Will, I think we'll wrap it up here. Thank you so much for joining me with Ricky gone today. Great to, great to ch- uh, chop it up and talk about the bulls here. Tell our listeners where they can find you and all your stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a lot of fun. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at won't Um, I've been doing very little, but some writing on a Patreon this year, um, about the bulls. So you can check that out. And then as you mentioned, um, check out the locker room app. I've been working there and it's kind of like a live audio social media platform. So, um, it's kind of like live podcasting meets call in radio. You can like actually talk with us while we do the podcast sort of thing. So that's a lot of fun. Check that out. And, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll, I'll talk with you guys on Wednesday there. Awesome. Yeah. It should be a lot of fun. I, I always love doing those locker rooms, a cool app, just talking with other fans, get, get everybody involved. Like when we did the one, the Hawks one, like we had a lot of people on there. I know a lot of people were like, were pissed off and freaking out because of the nature of that game. But it was, it was cool to have all those people just kind of listen to Ricky was ranting and raving and all that. And it was, and it was even with the, it was, it was a lot of fun. Rant. <laughs> yeah. That was classic. Like, Oh, the season's over. We're screwed after that game. But 
things have stabled out a little bit, stabilized a bit, a little bit here. So we'll see what happens these next couple of next games. And like I said, hopefully we have some better results to talk about. But again, Will, thank you so much for joining joining me today. We'll have Ricky back when we t- when we do this locker room thing on Wednesday night uh, for for cash considerations. Uh, shout out always to the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Go check out all the other great pods across the network as well. If you like what you hear here, there's we have so many great NBA pods. We got NFL, we got the Super Bowl coming up in a week, and then we have a bunch of other great pods as well. For us here at Cash, you know where to find me on Twitter. I'm at Bulls underscore J. Ricky is at SBN underscore Ricky. Uh, if you want to ever want to shout us out on there, give us feedback. We're always down to hear what we can do better. If there's anything you want to talk about, we'll, we'll have to do a coming up here pretty soon. We'll have to do a Q&A where we take your guys' questions on Twitter. We haven't done one of those in a while, so we'll have to do that pretty soon. Um, and and you, as always, oh, please rate and review us as well. We're going to listen to your pods. or on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, all those places. So for this has been Jason. Thanks again to Will for coming on. This has been Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. Talk to you guys next time on Wednesday.